2: Good morning. It is Thursday, January 11th, five minutes after 11. We are Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So I know you weren't alive, but I I recall bell bottoms and, uh, you know, waiting in gas lines and a lot of olive green and Brown colored appliances uh-huh. Of course I'm talking about the 70s Yeah, and, and,
0: and you know Casey I love it when my elders tell me about mm-hmm. The ways of the world and how things used to be And that's why I'm so glad We get to work together mm-hmm. w- w- With the little bit more seasoning That you bring to the program You can tell me what it was like To see the greats like Mickey Mantle play in person <laughs> And you can tell me w- what it was like
2: <laughs> to, <laughs> to watch Jim Thorpe Stop it I can tell you how to peg your pants for you, sure you could tell me you can tell me
0: what it was like to see the great Frank Gifford
2: uh-huh stop it I can tell you what it's like to have a Dorothy Hamill haircut as well but uh, the reason I bring up the 70s is because JP Morgan who uh, Jamie Dimon, who's the CEO of JP Morgan he's warning Americans that it is time to go back to the 70s or rather the 70s uh, economic yeah. status is coming back to us. Sounds horrible. Yes, he's warning of high inflation and that uh, we could be in for a dire economy long-term.
0: Well, right, and it's the same problems, and there's nothing new under the sun, and it's all happened before, and it'll happen again because it's based on the same thing. Slightly different circumstances obviously uh, perpetuate it, but you've got an irresponsible government, that spends money irresponsibly, that chokes off our ability to tap into our natural resources, which makes energy affordable, and when you print money like it's going out of style and you don't uh, access the natural resources god has blessed us with this is what you get mm-hmm. it's it's not rocket science it's there's not some mystery as to why it's happening obviously we are tapped into in a world economy like never before but there are so many things that we could be doing to ha- have you know stopped the stop the uh, way which we've been impacted by this and we have chosen not to do it it's
2: so we've got rising prices, we have stagnant growth, and we have huge government spending. And these are all factors that are linking the 2020s and the 1970s. And we had heard for a while that the Federal Reserve was going to cut interest rates maybe as soon as March, but inflation ticked up in December, and so that cut may not be happening now.
0: I've always found this the, the way the federal government operates – um, I've always found it fascinating, the lack of regard for other people's stuff. And what I mean by that is Casey, you have your world that you live in and I have my world that I live in and our worlds collide for about four or five hours every single day. But then we go back to our various bubbles that we Mm -hmm. live in Mm -hmm. and your money is your money and my money is my money and you know if you were in need of something I would certainly help you but you're not you're not coming to me and extrap, extrap, extracting Mm -hmm. money from my bank account because of the choices that you're making to benefit yourself in the here and now and that is what is taking place in our government these Pathetic pigs are so addicted to legalized vote buying and believe that they have some entitled right to be able to continue to participate in this that they are stealing money from future generations. We always talk. We use this phrase all the time, and and our friend of the show, Michael Munger, the great Duke economist, taught this to me. Daft deficits are future taxes, and that's what is happening. When you turn the money printing press on, somebody owes for that money, so it does two things that are incredibly harmful. One, you're stealing from other people. It's as though you couldn't pay your bills, so instead of just asking nicely, you just come in mm-hmm. and take the money out of Demand my account. It. Yeah, and not only are you just paying your heating bill, you're buying mink coats Mm. and, you know, nice cars and everything on top of that. But you're also creating, um, in in addition to stealing from other people, you're creating an environment by which that has to be paid back. There's not enough progress in the economy to pay it back. It will be paid back eventually by someone in terms of future taxes.
2: So the bankers would like an inflation rate around two percent. That is the goal. We're currently at five and a half percent. Shelter prices have not cooled off and uh, prices for used cars, airfares, also medical care services on the rise, actually. And by the way, I'm eight days away from a birthday. We all know Rob just turned 40. If you want to do the math, 1970. Let's move on.
0: <laughs> I mean, it, look. Here's here's we're the. We're talking
2: we, about the '70s. I just thought I'd let you know. We
0: got to just take a brief time out here, though, to point out mm-hmm. how well assembled you are, given the <laughs> advancement in your age. Oh,
2: sure. I mean, well, I, you know, I'm not going to exploit your youth I, for my advantage. When right?
0: I when we did our first meeting together, mm-hmm. and I desperately tried to convince you that you didn't want any part of this world to <laughs> which you were about to enter.
2: I was an active listening back then. I never had you. <laughs>
0: Pegged at being,
2: uh-huh. don't say it. X
0: well. amount of years uh-huh. old, and you've really done a nice job of keeping yourself Thanks. in yeah. prime, peak physical condition. Yeah, Thanks. I can't
2: believe you're not 33. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, you can do math, huh? Darn yeah. it! <laughs> All right, let's talk about what's I going mean, on. Admit it,
0: Kev. If you if you saw Casey out and you knew she was not married, you would let's say she was at right at the town, small college townie bar yeah. that you frequent. you would say,
2: what's that old lady doing here? <laughs> I would not. <laughs> he would not. Sure, I would buy went. you a beer. Uh, uh, nice. Except, you know, I'm not drinking these days. That's how I look so young. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Gave, gave up all the vices. Uh, okay, so Alejandro Mayorkas. The Homeland Security Committee meeting, they had their first impeachment hearing about him, and uh, things were said. I wanted to play a couple of clips for you. This is from uh, Representative Clay Higgins, who is saying that Mayorkas has brought generational trauma to the country.
1: Secretary Mayorkas has brought generational trauma upon our country. Hundreds of thousands of American lives destroyed. Hundreds of thousands dead. Millions and millions wave upon wave of human misery coming across our southern border. We're losing our country down there. My God, my colleagues, you've got to recognize this. We've got to stop this arterial bleed. It's not about money. We spent less money in 2019 than we did in 23, a lot less through DHS, and we had the border under control. It's policy that has changed, and who is driving that policy? Secretary Mayorkas. So who shall be impeached? Quite rightfully so secretary Mayorkas.
0: okay so this dude sounds like remember in ghostbusters where Mm -hmm. they're trying to convince the mayor of what's going on and how bad it's going to be and bill murray starts going dogs and cats living together mass hysteria that's what this guy sounds like Mayorkas sucks at his job Mm -hmm. the biden policy is horrific for america Mm -hmm. but that is not the grounds for impeachment being terrible at your job should get you evicted from the job but if the guy in charge is not going to evict you then the voters have to evict the guy in charge which they should absolutely do. Here's the other problem with this you can talk all you want about 2019 but you're back in charge buddy Your party is back in charge of the money because you control the House of Representatives. And if they, they being the Biden administration, is not doing what you, the House of Representatives, wants, there's a very simple solution to this. Choke off the money in other places and make them feel the pain until they do what you want them to do. But you, not only are not willing to do that, you keep funding the Republicans every single Biden administration priority, and you're about to do it again with this new deal that Johnson made with Schumer that Schumer's all on board for. So I don't want to hear from these Republicans anymore about, oh, the state of society and they're dragging America into the gutter. Yeah, they are. But you're doing it. You're a parent, Casey. It's the equivalent of and your daughter would never do this because she's perfectly well behaved. If your daughter was, you know, some some college co ed making horrific decisions and was drinking and driving and doing drugs and running around with all sorts of, you know, random men, many with felonious convictions of some sort on their record. <laughs> and you kept just handing her money to mm-hmm. do that, mm-hmm. then you're facilitating the problem. You don't get to complain about the lifestyle she's living if you're funding the lifestyle.
2: Yeah, if yeah, makes you an enabler.
0: Exactly. And that's what that's a perfect word for it, Casey. That's exactly what the Republicans are. This guy gives this phony baloney high and mighty speech and then the Republicans enable the very behavior they claim to be against.
2: Okay, well, Biden is the executive, so he can make a change. It's just like this is not working out for us. He can make a change to his cabinet. Republicans are saying that uh, Mayorkas is doing has dereliction of his duty. Of course, border crossings are reaching record highs. Democrats are saying that this is all politically motivated and meritless. And then you've got uh, Representative Anthony Desposito saying that Mayorkas has been reckless on his open border policies. Just last night. We had children
0: told in New York City that they can no longer attend school in person. They have to do it virtually because their school is now being used to house migrants. Now, just think about that for a second. We want to talk about the failed policies. This isn't just a policy. This is intent.
2: The one thing... um that i wanted to play before we get into break is that the speaker of the house mike johnson he said that he phoned biden himself to tell him to use executive action to secure the southern border and then he goes on to say that he can't mention what they discussed um So is Biden in or out? And what backdoor deal is the speaker working on? Because why can't he be transparent about the conversation?
3: Well, I, I did talk with him about that, and you know, I've, I've been public about it. I sent it to him in writing in a letter back in December, or right before Christmas, uh, asking him, urging him to take the executive uh, orders and, and uh, executive authority he has to, to address this issue. We're working on legislation, legislative fixes, but he has authority under existing law, and I reiterated that again today. I, I do believe that he understands the, the magnitude of the crisis, or he's beginning to, and I'm hopeful that all of us will be able to work together to solve this dilemma. It's a catastrophe. That's the right so word. So did
1: he indicate any openness to those executive actions, to taking them?
0: I, 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 I don't think I'm at liberty to say exactly what we discussed. You, you better do this or what? Well, or nothing. But you better do this or mm-hmm. what? Well, I'll keep giving you all the money that you wanted for all the big government programs that you prioritize.
2: It's a big threat, isn't it? And I'd Not. like to point
0: out. Jim Banks and mm-hmm. the rest of these Indiana Republicans rolled over and voted for this guy, just like they did McCarthy. The Republic, uh, the, the, all sides are equally to blame on this, and it pisses me off, Casey, that the Republicans get on this phony baloney, moral high horse about this stuff when they are, and you use the perfect word, they are the enablers.
2: It is Kennedy Casey on 93WIBC. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Simpta. talking about it was a big day yesterday in sports 21 minutes after 11 with kendall and casey on 93 wibc so two of well one of the greatest football coaches of a generation retired and and another guy retired as well and then another guy got fired like go. Uh, we're talking about nick saban pete carroll bill belichick wow big news yesterday
0: well wasn't it Chad and Jeremy, who once said, all good things must end someday, mm-hmm. autumn leaves must fall, wish you didn't have to go, mm-hmm. oh, no, no, no. Mm. I think that's right. Isn't that right, Kev? It was, Ch- it was Chad and Jeremy that said that, right? It sounds like Chad and Jeremy. Yeah, uh, poets, philosophers, uh, great singer-songwriters of the 1960s. <laughs> and uh, yesterday was kind of that day. So uh, if you are uh, of a certain age, mm-hmm. you got to think basically from uh, 2000 one-ish on you had these were the three premier coaches in a mixture of college and professional football obviously Bill Belichick had the dynasty of the New England Patriots Pete Carroll was a phenomenal uh player buyer slash coach at USC before uh winning a winning a Super Bowl with the Seahawks and then you had um
1: Nick, you ha- Saban. You had Nick
0: Saban, who w- won won a national championship in college, was a colossal failure in the pros, but then w- went back to college football. was probably the greatest college football coach of all time. So you have the you, all three of these guys to go out basically on the same day mm-hmm. is an incredible. It is an incredible end to an era, basically a twenty plus year era for, for people who are of my age or my generation, where these guys. I mean, they're they're just like within a day, they're gone. And there was the crazy thing is, and the only thing, my buddy Bart is a huge Patriots fan, and he is just beside himself today. And I said the thing I can compare this to is Bob Knight. When he left indiana because with all three of these guys there was mm-hmm. no farewell tour there was no hey this is the swan song the grand farewell and you kind of feel like with guys of that nature now i think Bella Cheat is going to coach again somewhere <laughs> so it won't be the farewell for it but it will be mm-hmm. in the sense like when bob knight left iu he deserved to leave iu better than the way in which he left and i think that was what so many people have held on to for so long with him It's not hey maybe it wasn't it was probably time for him to go he'd probably worn out his welcome but the guy deserved better than getting fired for telling some kid my name is not hey knight it's mm-hmm. coach knight or mr knight we deserve to be able to say goodbye to bob knight and then he went to texas tech yeah and many of us who were pissed off at iu became texas tech fans and they'll probably be people who will become whether belichick Becomes a coach of the Falcons or the Chargers or whoever, they'll become fans of that team. But it just feels like those coaches deserved better, some sort of mm-hmm. send off. And mm-hmm. obviously, with Saban, it was of his own choice, and Bill Belichick probably knew it was coming, yeah, and and chose not to not to go out that way. But it just feels like those guys kind of deserved something better for the twenty plus years of fun football that they gave America.
2: Well, your comments about Bobby Knight, the way he left IU, very it reminds me a lot about. Lou Holtz when yeah. he left Notre Dame. Yeah. It was kind of like they left this big iconic place and then went to a smaller school. But in regards to Bill Belichick... Uh, yeah, you wanted to
0: say Bilichit, didn't I did, you? I did, I uh, did. It's okay.
2: Is uh, he a good coach or did he just have good players?
0: Well, I think it's a little bit of both. Obviously, Bilichit struggled dramatically early on in his career before pre-Patriots. Mm-hmm. I think he was blessed with the greatest quarterback of all time. right? But he, they were... Uh, he was phenomenal the patriot way or whatever you want to call it was phenomenal at getting rid of and the discipline to get rid of guys a year early rather than a year late he clearly had incredible defensive teams when they were winning those super bowls and sports needs people to hate we talked about this.
2: Right, with the live golf and the and, and, and PGA. Yeah, yeah, and
0: if you want to even want to stay in with football with Jim Harbaugh and college oh, yeah. football with Michigan, you say whatever you want. The most watched football games overwhelmingly of the past several years have been these last several Michigan football games. People want someone to hate. You're right, live, live golf. People are going to watch Phil Mickelson, even though he's way past his prime. Why? Because people hate Phil Mickelson. Mm-hmm. Um, and and – that's kind of being phased out of the national football league now like who's the main villain now who's the evil empire? It's kind of the kansas city chiefs because of yoko swifto but that's not lasting that's not sustaining once she gets done with kelsey and writes a song about him everybody will move on and so i don't know i I, i'm gonna miss these guys i hope at least with bella cheat he goes somewhere else so we can cheer against him there and People need villains. Sports need villains. Sports is better with villains.
2: Well, for me, Pete Carroll was the villain because, you know, as a big Notre Dame fan and they always played USC, he always came to town. And I I can recall one time him putting out a press release saying, um, you know, it's uh, University of Southern California. Don't call us Southern Cal. So, of course, that's exactly what we do. And... uh, one time we held up a sign: Pete Carroll wears a snuggie. But when it comes to Nick Saban, yeah, uh, you know it was a good investment, probably the best investment that university ever made. They paid him over 130 million dollars over 16 seasons. You could say he was worth a billion.
0: Well, and is that it, school? Isn't it interesting the rise and fall of Alabama football? So people forget what a dark place Alabama football was in. After, the obviously, Bear Bryant left, and and they ran through a variety of coaches, and the guy they hired before Nick Saban, so many people forget this, I believe Mike Price was the guy's name. He was hired and was supposed to be the guy to turn Alabama football around, and then it came out that he was using a university credit card for allegedly some very illicit – services, procedures, whatever word you want to use, and that was the state of Alabama football when Nick Saban came back in there and took that program over and obviously they're the premier football program again in college football. If you say, hey, year in and year out who's always at the top? It's it's Alabama mm-hmm. and so all these guys to go within a day of each other and uh, none of them getting kind of the send-off you used to associate with legendary coaches, it just kind of feels a little empty.
2: So of course the rumor going around is that Urban Meyer is already being considered for the Alabama position I wonder what Tommy Reese has to say about that and you gotta wonder why did Nick Saban choose now to leave um by all accounts he's he's still winning he's still putting forth great teams is it the transfer portal is that what made him say you know what this is making things too difficult for me I can't put a team together that will last
0: well you hit on two things that are very interesting one you mentioned Tommy Reese who Mm -hmm. is Tommy Reese was a great quarterback for Notre Dame I think he was the quarterback that year they played in the national mm-hmm. championship game. They they attended the national championship game. <laughs> they Alabama, were
2: there in the building. And then be,
0: later became the offensive coordinator. And then he left Notre Dame when he didn't get the job after Brian Kelly mm-hmm. left and went to Alabama. And everybody kind of said, well, that's very weird. You would leave your alma mater, your very beloved figure there. Your team is pretty successful. And so you do have to wonder, was there any assurance made to him in a line of succession or whatever? Who knows? Obviously, everybody under the sun will want the Alabama job. And I think you hit on the nail on the head with why you're seeing all these great college coaches leave. You saw it in college basketball with Krzyzewski and then, like, Roy Williams, uh, Beheim is now out. I mean, you've seen a litany of these guys leave, and now you're seeing it with Saban, where college football is – all about control and one of the reasons nick saban struggled so bad with the coach of the dolphins is they don't fear you those dudes make more than you do Mm -hmm. they're not going to listen to you i mean they might listen to you as a coach but you're not going to bark at them and they're going to be intimidated and so for a guy like saban you got to eat crap and like it for a very brief moment where you got to walk into some 17 year old kid's living room and and kiss the ring one time and then once you had him they were yours, right? Like they you owned them mm-hmm. once you groveled enough. Now you're the big boss and they got to listen to you. Well now since they've changed with NIL mm-hmm. and the transfer portal, you gotta continually just kiss these kids' asses. And I'm sure Saban's like, I'm 72 years old now I've won I don't six. Need to do this. Yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm out. And you have I think that's why you've seen so many of these coaches these legendary coaches in both sports yeah, quit because say, they, just, they, no they don't want to the deal time. with it anymore. Well, you don't, don't want to recruit 24 hours a day, seven days a week.
2: Yeah, and in Nick Saban's position, you know, I mean, he doesn't have to work. Maybe he just wants to do a Mitch Daniels and ride off into the sunset. Could be. Yeah, uh, which would be weird because most people don't know when to say goodbye. Yeah, you're right, 100%. It is Kendall and Casey. It's 93 WIBC. <laughs> So by now you've probably heard that Senator Mike Braun planning to step away from the U.S. Senate
0: Just let it go for
2: a second. Okay, now you can go. Okay. Uh, Mike Braun hoping to become the state's next governor and his people announced yesterday that he has 14,500 signatures and they've all been submitted for his gubernatorial run.
0: So unless you are Todd Young, you have to get 500 congressional uh, signatures in all nine congressional districts. They have to be verified, so you can't just go to a Walmart and have people sign. I mean, you can, but the odds of getting that right, and those signatures verified and it has to match the address and the address has to be correct and the signature has to be... There's just all sorts of things that go into this and we've talked about this many, many times, how corrupt the process is to get on the ballot to run for public office in Indiana, especially at the Senate or uh, governor's level. And they do this, as the Russ lawsuit is, is proving, because the Republican Party wants to control, wants puppets in there. They want people they can control. And that means they want to limit it to super rich people who can buy their way in, or they want established politicians who have spent years and years getting favors and money and and have the ability to spend the hundreds of thousands of dollars it takes to pull this process off. So I mean, look again, look at who's running for governor. You've got Mike Braun, who's a Senator. You've got Suzanne Crouch, who's a lieutenant governor. You've got Brad Chambers, who's a very, very, very rich, Person who was the head of the IEDC Doden, who's a very very rich member of the IEDC, and Curtis Hills, a former attorney general. Mm-hmm. There's no outsiders. There's all only insiders involved in this process, and that's by design.
2: So he thanked. Uh, he sent out a tweet, and he said, "Thank you to all the Hoosiers from all 92 counties that signed our ballot access petitions." So. He's he's definitely still you know he's going for it here.
0: He, he but he raised that's a point. He's a sitting senator. He had the ability mm-hmm. to raise millions of dollars. And I know the people who are running his campaign. I once worked for those people for a U.S. Senate campaign, and I know how they operate. And I know that uh, that operation that they pulled off cost them several hundred thousand dollars to pull off. That if you're a poor regular person, you cannot run for U.S. Senate or a governor in the state of Indiana, and that is by design. And just another example of how much the Republican Party hates you.
2: Hey, Abdul is going to join us next. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 W.I.B.C. And when the
1: rain beats against
2: my windowpane, I'll think of summer days again. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment.
0: WIBC. It is the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob Casey's here, and we do this every Thursday. I can't think of a better way to go out with the program. He's a broadcaster. He's an author. He's a provocateur. The owner and operator of IndyPolitics.org. The one and only Abdullah Shabazz. Hello. How's it going, my friend? Always good to see you both. Uh, great. All right. So let's start with the Indiana General Assembly. By the way, you reported this in your cheat sheet, and I could not believe that this is, well, I mean, I totally could believe it, but I just, it's so pathetic to read out loud. You're surprised, but not shocked. Yeah, you reported in your cheat sheet that there are, are now, multiple, as in numerous lawmakers, who have been ordered by the upper management that are so untrustworthy around women, they cannot have women legislative assistance. Is that right?
3: Uh, what I wrote in the cheat sheet was there are basically four to six lawmakers, uh, Democrat, Republican, House and Senate, uh, who've been instructed uh, no mo- no, f- no female lawmakers, no female lawmakers for you
0: <laughs> next. Uh, so, like, they're, they're, the people who d- help them cannot be women, right?
3: Because of uh, inappropriate behavior or or the potential That's for pathetic. inappropriate yeah. behavior. That's pathetic. Well, f- well, actually, at, at at the beginning of every session, they they sort of have the caucus, particularly for fresh lawmakers. Like, hey, you know, welcome here. We appreciate you here. Uh, just let you know, you're going to be in a different environment than from home. You know, just just be mindful. Everybody's got a cell phone. Just We're, be normal. You know, just, just 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 be, be no- a normal,
0: decent human being.
2: I have questions. Yes. One, who is the upper management boss who instructs them that they can't do this? And two, what are we talking about? Are we talking about being handsy? Are we talking about inappropriate texts? Are we talking about uh, misogynistic? You're I'll, a woman, I'll, you can't do this job. Behavior.
3: I'll, I'll ask you. I'll answer your second question first. All of the above.
2: Oh, great. <laughs>
3: that's gross. So, so that's kind of point number one. Point number two is it's it's sort of in, in caucus. You have you know the caucus you know, leaders, the chief of staff, like hey, folks. You know we're here for a job for a reason. You just got to be mindful, be careful of what you're doing, and and it doesn't hurt to remind people just on occasion, hey, don't put yourself in a situation where you where your where your integrity or your position is compromised, both legally and morally.
2: I have more. If they cannot control their own body, how are they expected to be our lawmakers? Well, women. Oh, you talk about uh, men cheating. That's has going on since since time no, immemorial. No, I'm talking about if you can't control what you're doing in a professional environment. How can they be expected to be professional enough to create the laws for the state?
3: Well, this has been going on So, like I said, since time immemorial. I mean, Roosevelt had his mistress with him in Malta. <laughs> Do you know when he's when he signed the peace treaty? So you just, just got to keep that in mind. I mean, uh, it, it, it's a line that that you no know, people will be people, but every once in a while, you just need to remind folks, hey. Don't get your meat in the same place where you get your bread.
0: Yeah. All right. So the legislative session has begun, and we talked about this kind of- <laughs> I'm sorry, but I, I, know, I know you shouldn't have to write
3: this down. You shouldn't have to tell people, but unfortunately, this is the world we live in. Okay.
0: okay so the legislative session has begun, and we talked about this on State House Happenings, and we talked about this last week when you were here, and it kind of seems now that the agenda is playing out. This is accurate. There's no big thing- there's no thing where you say this is kind of the theme of the session. This is the the thing that's going to grab all the headlines. I mean, there, there's this thing with third graders and reading, which is a big deal. But there's no super big thing this year where you say that's going to grab all the headlines.
3: I call those famous last words for 100, <laughs> Mr. Chebec uh, Because there's always something that pops up. I call it the Valentine's Day Massacre. Right around Valentine's Day is when that stupid thing pops up, whether it's legislature or or lawmakers that always pops up uh, and gets in the way. Uh, there's no one big overriding issue per se. I mean. Uh there's a there's a there's a reading issue uh, there's going to be the leap district some lawmakers have concerns about the IDC and- No let's
0: talk about leap for a second because it's such a big deal and the legislature has been so hesitant to do anything anti-Holcomb or against Holcomb you think though that they could act on leap this this short legislative session
3: Yes because it's not just Tippecanoe and Boone County uh, it is along the whole Wabash River so if you have a district that flows along the Wabash River from like you no know, Terre Haute and Vigo County you know, all the way to the eastern part of the state, uh, you've you probably got some concerns about you know, water and, and water usage. So so there's going to be that. Uh, also, uh, there's
0: going to be the whole anti-Semitism thing on college campuses. Help me uh, work through that for a second, because uh, Casey and I have talked about this. I struggle with this because, obviously, uh, the pro-Hamas people... Many of them are completely insane. Some of them are actually very dangerous people. However, how are you going to legislate free speech as long as someone's not harming anyone else? How are you going to say that as a free American, I am, you have no right to be wrong, which is if you're pro-Hamas, you're crazy. But you have absolutely the right to do that in this country as long as you don't harm somebody else.
3: Uh, first of all, I think the question is uh, how do you define anti-Semitism? I mean, is it or any ism for that matter? Someone could be anti Islamic, you no, know, anti Catholic. Sure, but that's I not mean, a crime. Uh, yeah, right, exactly. So so once again, what what is that? And number two, just because somebody may be pro Palestine, does it make them anti Semitic? I don't think so, because you could be pro Palestine, but uh, but not you no know, hate mm-hmm. no not you know from the from the sea into the water, that sort of thing. So I think that's gonna be one of the big issues. Uh, and hold a second, which real quick,
0: even if you're and I think we agree on this. Even if you're racist, you're a disgusting person, but you have the right to be it.
3: Exactly. And, and that is why the Senate wants nothing to do with this, because like, hey, we started getting to regulating speech, like, well, how about we regulate behavior, not necessarily speech, which is why I'm going to say Liz Brown, who would be the chairman of the committee that would hear that, wants nothing to do you know, with this issue. I mean, just, you know, it's a free marketplace of ideas, You know, let, let the ideas go back and forth. You can't
2: and- regulate stupid.
0: No you, no, you can't. You can medicate it, but you can't regulate it. <laughs> Duel is our <laughs> guest. Uh, okay, so there were a couple of surprise resignations. Larry Bouchon, Greg Pence. Uh, you are the man who always gets all the information first. Were you caught by surprise with these resignations?
3: Uh, Greg Pence, unnecessarily because a couple years ago, I know Greg wasn't necessarily happy, but he decided to run for another, for another term. Bouchon did kind of catch me uh, by surprise a little bit, uh, but I wasn't shocked. Uh, what, what is sort of shocking is uh, sort of the list of people that, that keeps changing, you know, who's in, who's out. Mm. Uh, in the 6th in the District, uh, which is eastern central Indiana and the southern three townships of Marin County, uh, for example, I put uh, Aaron Freeman was thinking about running. Aaron Freeman was like, no, I do all want to say married to my wife, so oh, no, yeah. no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, you've got Jeff Ratch who's thinking about running. You've got Mike Speedy who's thinking
0: about running. These, sixth- are, these are all political people.
3: Yeah. Carlin uh, Yoder uh, who's thinking about running a former state senator. In eighth district, uh, so there's who, no,
0: there's no like. So when Trey Hollingsworth ran and won, he was this. Well, he he had access to a lot of money. I don't know how rich he actually was, but his father had lots of money, and he was able to essentially buy a, a, a congressional seat. Is there any person like that that you're hearing that's like, wow, that's going to be a real outsider, or is it just, hey, it's the usual political? I, I think
3: I think right now it's just the usual suspects. Uh, there may be another person in the sixth district who I uh, got wind of who may be running, but that the name isn't out there yet. Who, who could be a game changer? And uh, the In the 8th District, uh, you've got Lloyd Winnecke, you've got Holly Sullivan, uh, you've got uh, uh, a couple other folks. Uh, Luke Mark Messer made me think about running. Uh, and, and like I said, here, here's my thing. Anybody, I did two things the other day. I called Rudy Yakum and emailed out and checked in with Aaron Housen. Tell me you are running, so we don't have four congressional seats open. Let's say, yeah, we're, we're running for election number one, mm-hmm. number two. Anybody who's not running for Congress, let's take a step forward yeah. and, and start from that. Uh, because Indiana will have four congressional seats open, which hasn't happened in a really, really long time. And and think about this: the 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 most senior member of the Indiana congressional delegation, uh, whether House or Senate, will actually be Andre Carson. Isn't
0: that crazy? It's politics. Andre Carson <laughs> is the old man in the room. He's
2: now.
3: The
0: old man in the room. Uh.
3: Do you
2: think that's a coincidence that all these uh, seats are going to be open at the same time? Um, not
3: correlation is not necessarily equal causation because people have different motivations, different factors for, for leaving. Also, I think too, uh, with the Democrats having a good chance of taking over the Senate taking over the house in, uh, 2022, people spend time in the minority. Like, ah, we're, we're good. I want to go do something else.
0: Uh, any chance Greg Pence, because you had, we had done a deep dive on this last year. Our, our friend, Robert Vane Uh, who gets flooded with calls and text messages every time we say his name on the show, who we like Robert a lot. Uh, He's the communication guru for Suzanne Crouch. He had, I don't know if unapproved or accidentally or whatever, floated the name Greg Pence out there as her running mate, and there was just a cavalcade of backlash and angry people, and then Suzanne was forced to come out and put a squash on that. Is that now back on the table, or you think Greg Pence is going to go run the antique mall?
3: Uh, I think he's probably going to run the antique mall. But I, I will say this, though, uh, with with so many people in the governor's race, I would not be surprised if you start seeing people at least before the convention, or at least before the primary, say, "Hey, if you nominate me as your governor, here's my here's my here's here who's my lieutenant gubernatorial candidate will be." Because you got to remember, folks, the governor's picked in a primary, the lieutenant governor's picked in a convention, mm-hmm. uh, which is just a disaster. I think it should be picked uh, either either the same way or, or either both in a convention or both in a primary. Uh but it's gonna be interesting to see how that all sort of sort of sort of sort of works itself. Well out. they're
0: gonna they're gonna to have to probably do that unless they're content with Micah because is gonna walk in there with probably forty percent of the vote. And so they're really gonna to have to put some boots on the ground to ensure if the governor, whether it's Braun or whoever, doesn't want Micah, that they're gonna get their person across the finish line.
3: Let me put it this way. Uh one thing I've been uh told by very reliable sources is uh as we uh because the Lieutenant governor's picked the nominating convention. We're told that, hey, if you want to make sure that you get to the lieutenant governor candidate, I would have people run for state convention. So I think the state convention race will be just as interesting yeah. uh, as lieutenant governor's race.
0: All right. Uh, and, and real quick before we let you go, uh, any update on the Rokita? Oh, we didn't even get into that. Rokita's response to the uh, <laughs> to the Judiciary Committee. Boy, I blew that. We didn't do that at house Happenings, but we'll certainly do it here. Uh, Todd Rokita's response to the uh, Disciplinary Commission uh, his little entanglement there with his inability to keep his mouth shut, priceless. He he didn't help. Let's put it that way.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and, and and one thing I am hearing, and I heard this the other day, and I still got to do some checking, um, because it's just the just it's just the it's a it's a it's a very reliable rumor mill. But just a rumor mill that the this that the disciplinary commission uh is leaning towards recommending. Uh, his license be suspended for a year with no automatic reinstatement. So he's done as
0: attorney general if they go with that.
3: Yeah, yeah. if the Supreme Court signs off on yeah. that just because you got the disciplinary commission has to make a recommendation, you have to have a hearing officer, and then you have to also have uh, the Supreme Court uh, make a final decision. Uh, but what I'm, uh, I'm hearing is they're leaning towards suspension for a year without a, without automatic reinstatement. If the Supreme Court goes along, Todd Rikita cannot be attorney general because under state law, you must be a licensed attorney in order mm-hmm. to be attorney general.
2: When will they make that decision?
3: Uh, that I'm trying to find out what the timeline is going to be. you got to do it before June.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Hey, are you working this weekend? Or are you doing anything for the radio actually station? actually working this weekend. Oh, congratulations. What's coming up Saturday at 1 on Abdul at Large? State House Week Review, week number one. Oh, my goodness, of course, right? Here, I was thinking you'd do some actual work this week. Uh, You can find him over at indiepolitics.org. Abdullah Kim Shabazz, you're the best. Thank you. Thank you.
2: And that's going to do it for us today. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Kevin. And thank you for listening. Tony Katz is up next. This has been The Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC.